This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. We could not resist the Nobel Prizes in Physics are related to black holes. Mm. Chuck, yes. we're devoting this entire Cosmic Queries to black holes, as manifested in the recently announced Nobel Prizes in Physics. And the cool thing about it is no one will ever be able to see or hear this video because it won't be able to escape our black hole. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. know that all of our shows are in black holes. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> no, let me just know this that. one. Just this one. <laughs> I know a little bit about black holes, but not as much as our guest, a recurring guest, Jana Levin. Jana, welcome back to Star Talk. Thank you. It's always good to be here. Wherever and, here and, and, is, wherever here is now. I know, but for you, you kind of look like you're in a safe house. I know. I, you, I sort of am. Yeah, are, are, is the, are you in an identity protection program or something? What do you do? I'm at Pioneer Works, which is, you know, a cultural center in Brooklyn where I'm director of sciences. But I tell you, if the apocalypse is happening, this is where I'm coming. We've got oh, all okay. the resources you need. Wait, wait, Chuck, did you hear that? <laughs> she, uh, if just, the apocalypse was coming, that's where she'll where's, be, where's, and that's where she is now. Right, exactly. And you're, you're invited. Okay. <laughs> so wait, tell me what happens at Pioneer Works. So we, uh, this, this place really started as, as inspiration of Dustin Yellen and Gabriel Florence as an art center, but with a vision of just impacting culture and creating ways, really kind of breaking down boundaries, doing things in a new way. And, um, and, and when I came in, we started bringing sciences in here, and we've been doing a lot of um, pretty incredible science events, not least interviewing Sir Roger Penrose last December. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so my you, God. That's why so he got the Nobel Prize. <laughs> that's right. why he got the Nobel Prize, because you interviewed him. <laughs> I just, like, said. rubbed my good karma on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, uh, so the, uh, I, I know two of the three Nobel Prize winners, maybe all three. Uh, so there's Roger Penrose, yeah. mm-hmm. a, a well-known uh, physicist from Oxford, I think, in, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the UK. Um, we have, uh, who else was on that list? Andrea Gez. Uh, Andrea Gez. And mm-hmm. is she the, still in the University of California? Yeah, system? UCLA. UC, UCLA. Yeah. UCLA. So, mm-hmm. And we had um, Gensler. Reinhard Gensel, yeah. Reinhard Gensel. And yeah. so these are, so they all split the Nobel Prize, all for their work in black holes. So if you can just give us sort of the, 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 the short version of each of theirs contribution to our understanding of black holes. Well, technically, Roger got half the prize. And really? Andrea and Reinhardt split the other half. So now, and when you say got half the prize, are we talking half about the money. cold hard half cash? Half the money. 
half the money. Wow. Half the, they each get, they each get, they don't get a half a medal. Right. They all, each they get, all the same get a medal. But when they say half, they mean half the money. Yeah, well, okay. you can, let me tell you something. You can keep your stinking medal. <laughs> I want you half the money. I want that check. So <laughs> right. it is, it's a super interesting prize because that's happened before that where they've divided the prize unequally amongst the three participants. And you can never have more than three winners of the Nobel Prize. Um, so it is. Uh, it, it, it does reflect the fact that Andrea and Reinhardt, their work is observational, and they are they're both responsible independently for um, understanding supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. So that's why they shared in the prize because they they both contributed to that particular aspect of the award. Roger Penrose was just off on his own in like 1964. <laughs> He's and been off on forever. He's been doing. Right. He's on his own thing. Yeah. Right. So that was all Roger, and he um, is very theoretical. So I'd say one of the most surprising things about this award was that people as theoretical as Roger Penrose, for example, Stephen Hawking, don't usually get awarded the Nobel Prize, and um, and so this was considered. I think a lot of people were were kind of chilled and delighted to see Sir Roger um, honored in this way. But it could be that the trend is not so much that they don't give it to theorists, but if they're going to give it to theorists, mm-hmm. at, in the same breath, they're going to give it to the experimentalist mm-hmm. who verified what the theorist said. Is that yes. a fair way to characterize it? That is this? a fair way to characterize it. Um, but there's still a long stretch between like Roger's theory and the observations. Mm. So if you want to talk about Roger's... But, at, at, wait, as yeah. was true with the Higgs boson. Mm. That's right. That's so they right. gave it to to Peter Higgs. Higgs himself. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, but he'd come up with that decades ago. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the fresh discovery of the Higgs boson was recent, in recent news. But they stapled yeah. them together and then they yeah. give him the award. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Higgs, Higgs's prediction was so very specific, though. He literally predicted there would be this one particle, it would be roughly around this mass, and it would have these particular properties. I mean, it is a pretty spot-on prediction, whereas Roger just sort of was dreaming big dreams. <laughs> uh, not to put Higgs down in any way, but, you know, there was a less specificity. And even when Einstein got the Nobel Prize, he got it for very specific things. He did not get the Nobel Prize for general relativity, mm-hmm. which was clearly his greatest achievement. He yeah. got it for more specific statements and more specific, specific predictions. So maybe the Nobel Committee is coming along. Yeah, maybe it's coming along. But yeah. um, but Roger did do something tremendous, which was to make generic the prediction that black holes would be the end state of the collapse of a star. And uh, he was able to show that essentially singularities, which we thought were this may be an artifact of very special circumstances and wouldn't really happen if you thought more generally about things. He was able to prove that, in fact, it was a generic prediction of general relativity that a collapsing star would create behind it an event horizon and interior would create a singularity, essentially. Wow. So it's right after Einstein first thinks of general relativity that Schwarzschild writes to him from the Russian front and discovers this thing that we now call a black hole. But it's Russian very, front in the First World War. In the First World War. It's 1916, and he's on the Russian front, and he's saying, you know, you, the, world, the, war, the war has treated me kindly enough, and I've been able to wander through the land of your ideas. And so here he solves this problem, and it's very idealized. It's a complete sphere. It's perfectly collapsed. He doesn't ask how or why. He just idealizes the situation, and he comes up with this thing that we now call a black hole. And so for decades after that, people thought, well, that's just a silly idealized situation. It's not wrong. It's correct mathematically, but that'll never happen in nature. What Roger Penrose does in 1964 is he uses the most ingenious methods in a paper about three pages long. In the final paragraph of this incredibly clear, lucid, simple paper, he proves that, in fact, it is absolutely generic prediction of general relativity that a collapsing body would create behind it an event horizon and inside a singularity. So he makes black holes inevitable. He made them real. He made them real. He made them real. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they go from this mathematical, perfect, silly, platonic idealization to an inevitable reality. So and on, now on the other side of that uh, Nobel Prize coin, we have two mm-hmm. people, independent researchers, who are figuring out that our galaxy has a supermassive black hole in the middle. 
But of course, you can't see black holes. So what right. light can you shed on <laughs> on their discoveries? Ah, I see, see what you did there. You see what I did there? I Was see that what good? you did there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you punster. You punster. Mm-hmm. So they did. They they demonstrated the opposite characteristics as 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 powerful scientists. Slow and methodical. <laughs> they looked at these stars for decades, right? Two decades, and they watched these stars orbit. Um, an invisible object. And just, they don't even need to... At the center of the galaxy. At the center of the galaxy. It's 26,000 light years away in the direction of the constellation Sagittarius. So we call the object that they orbit Sag A star, Sagittarius A star, because only because it's in that direction from our point of view. It's a cute little nickname. So around Sag A star, they see some stars orbiting and they can follow their entire orbits. Takes them, one of them takes about 16, 17 years. Um, that, that's kind of the one that... Uh, was most helpful to them. Well, just to be clear, normally when we think of things orbiting other things, we think of planets orbiting stars. Yeah. Now you're talking about stars orbiting other things. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now you have a bunch of stars in the center of the galaxy, a bunch that are orbiting this thing. Now you can't see this thing. It's definitely dark and it's very massive. And contrary, I think, to sort of the popular imagination about black holes, black holes aren't huge. The whole point of black holes is that they're tiny. So for how heavy they are, they're tiny. So this object, they just look at the orbit and deduce, wow, that thing is 4 million times the mass of the sun, but it's fitting in a region much smaller than the solar system. Not 4 million times the size of the sun, right? If you calculate how big you think it should be, it's about 17 times the width of the sun across, but 4 million million times times the mass. That's That's crazy. 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 So they they go, look, it's really heavy. It's really small. It's a supermassive black hole. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it. And by the way, this is our second or third hour, the astrophysics community, Mm -hmm. our second or third third Nobel Prize in a decade? Generally, they used to yeah. throw us a bone once at Wait, every 10 years. I, are you saying that you guys are the Meryl Streep of the Nobel Prize? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying... <laughs> oh, we <we're>, no. <laughs> Black holes are. <laughs> well, the, the, the prize is in the category of physics, just to be clear. So right. we in my community, we're not living our lives wondering if we'll be considered. Occasionally... Mm-hmm. We yeah. do something that touches on laws of physics, and mm-hmm. and then it gets and, and people take a note. So we ju- we just got it for exoplanets, which is not itself That's a right. new branch of, of physics, but it's a very mm-hmm. interesting uh, advance in our understanding of the world mm-hmm. and uh, or the universe. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, maybe the we're done with laboratories on Earth. And the best laboratories on the frontier of discovery are the universe itself. Well, it's, it's fascinating because Hubble lobbied for astrophysics to be considered by the physics Nobel Prize. Oh, wait, Prize. Hubble the man. Edwin Hubble, the man. <laughs> not the not telescope. The, the yeah. telescope, right, is not live. Right? The telescope's <laughs> it's remain- not lobbying. That'd be, gr- that'd be awesome. <laughs> it remains inanimate. Yeah. Yes, it remains. It's still, it's still to this day not alive. <laughs> right. Okay. But Hubble, real, you know, so what did Hubble do that was so tremendous? Today, Hubble absolutely, un- unquestionably would have won the Nobel Prize. So what did Hubble two, do? Two Nobel Prizes. Right. So for one. In the same decade, yes. Yeah, he realizes that there are other galaxies. You have to realize when Einstein was working in 1905 and 1950 and 1916, he did not know that there was another galaxy besides the Milky Way. He suspected, but he wasn't sure, right? So Hubble observes the first external galaxies. But just to be clear, at that time, the universe was just the stars of the night sky. Yeah. And how far do they extend? Nobody knows. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then the second thing, which I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Neil's referring to, is he then also notices that, oh, by the way, all those galaxies are moving away from each other. Right. And, and so he deduces that the universe is expanding. So, right. cool. so, he, so he lobbied, so he, Jenny, he lobbied the Nobel Committee, and then what they say? I guess they said no. Like, well, yeah, I don't know if there were like formal letters exchanged, but uh, there was certainly political, you know, there was internal politics. And they said no for one month, like 1920s. They said no for another 50 years. I don't think it was until the 70s that the Nobel Prize Committee considered astrophysics. Yeah, I think the first one was maybe the discovery of pulsars. Yeah. And that was the 1970s on a discovery made in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, actually, we got to take a break now. But Chuck, did you load up questions? Because this is a I, Cosmic Queries. I got them all loaded up and ready to go. And there are pages of them. People, people love black holes. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, when we come back, more with our friend Jan 11 to get us through an understanding of black holes on Star Talk. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. We're back. StarTalk Cosmic Queries. Black Hole Edition. Actually, Chuck, we've had other Black Hole editions of Cosmic Queries, but this yes. time Black Hole's done one, upped and won Nobel Prizes. In fact, it's not the first time Black Holes have won Nobel Prizes. And last time we did that, we had to bring in Jan 11 to explain what the hell was going on. And we're doing that again today in this Sweet. second segment of Cosmic <laughs> Queries. Jana, always great to have you back in the loop. Thank you so much. I always love being here. What, what, one of the times we brought you in was because of the LIGO discovery of colliding black holes. Right. And yeah. they got a Nobel Prize. Okay? Yeah. So black holes, that, so the Nobel Committee is liking them some, no, some, some black holes lately. Yeah, definitely. I think there's probably another one in the near future. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't know, jinx anything. Don't jinx them, but don't keep <laughs> us in suspense either. Well, I think we should talk about LIGO, but I think Event Horizon Telescope, which took that image of the black hole at the center of M87, which is a galaxy 55 million light years away, um, and they imaged as close to the Event Horizon as is 
essentially conceivable given right. the realities of where right. the we resolution the was there. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so it's, for it's taking possible. that photo, the photo mm-hmm. of a black hole. Okay. It's conceivable. Right. So even so, it's interesting if you look at the Nobel Prize announcement for this prize. They say about Roger Penrose for his contribution to understanding black holes, and they explicitly say that. But for Angiogaz and Genzel, when they're talking about the supermassive black hole, they don't name it. They say for their discoveries of a compact object at the center of oh. the galaxy. <laughs> what? They won't call it a black hole. They won't call it a black hole. Oh. Yo, let me just say <laughs> that's racist. That's <laughs> Chuck. Yo, that's some racist stuff I've ever heard. All right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you are that crazy. ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> if anything has a tinge of it, Chuck is all up in it. He's going to be he's going to fall out. Okay, thank you, Chuck, for calling out the racist ways of the Nobel Prize well, Committee. Well, the interesting reason why I suspect they did that is because, so they're looking at these orbits of these stars, right, around this dark object that we know is really heavy and really small, and by rights we should call a black hole. But it only com- it doesn't come near the event horizon doesn't come all the way close. So it, I think the closest approach of the star is about a few times as close as Neptune comes to the sun. Um, and that's very, very close when you're talking about an object uh, four million times the mass of the sun. But if it's only 17 times as wide, it's not that close. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I mean? Gotcha. Right. Whereas a Van Horizon telescope is seeing stuff like right on it. Okay, so Chuck, if they gave it to the Event Horizon Telescope and still didn't call it a black hole, then you'll have right. a good argument. Then, then, I got a, then I got a case, right? You got then a case. We'll take case. that to the Supreme Court. we got Court. a case. We're going to take that. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, one thing about the Event Horizon Telescope image. Uh, first of all, a zillion people participated in that, so they probably have to give the Nobel Prize organizationally, That's uh, really I, I would interesting. bet. That's really interesting. Yeah, question. Yeah, yeah so it's, a, it's a reminder that today, consortia... Yeah make discoveries more so than individuals. Yeah. For LIGO, they gave it to three individuals. And well, because they were at sense. it long, but they've been, they were at right. it long before LIGO was even LIGO. Exactly. They were at right. it for, for, for 30, 40 years right, right. before other people joined. And so that was different. But some people also argue that it should be given a Nobel Peace Prize because here you have an international consortium that transcends, you know, all these nationalities, all of these political boards, all of these languages, all of these cultural differences and come together and then give the work freely, and the work is free. They don't even mm-hmm. monetize it. Right, um, right. So that's an interesting argument. It's a form of peace that's exactly right. So, and so a form of peace that scientists have known ever since mm-hmm. the beginning mm-hmm. as collaborations take us international. Yeah. Uh, I, I, a quick Event Horizon photo story. Mm-hmm. So I used the Event Horizon photo uh, for a tweet. Can I, can I tell you what that tweet was? It was, okay. <laughs> so scientists, colon, mm-hmm. we've imaged a black hole in a galaxy, in the nucleus of a galaxy 55 uh, million light years away. That's scientific. Mm-hmm. Public, ooh, <laughs> ah. Scientists, uh, humans are causing global warming. Public, I don't, that doesn't agree with my philosophy. I don't agree with that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> How did That's that go down? How did I just, that go I, down? I, uh, it was, you know, people... It's it's social media, so it goes every, every which way. But every which way, it can. but the irony wasn't lost on most people. So it's funny. Uh, That's brilliant. That's a brilliant tweet. Yeah. And, so uh, so and, Chuck, so give it to me. All right, let's get to it. Okay. So uh, actually, we're going to start with a uh, Patreon uh, question from uh, my son because I actually am on Patreon, so he gets to ask. Uh, which is, uh, can black holes tell us anything about? the age of nearby stars or stars that are orbiting them. Interesting. Am I trying it or are you trying it, Neil? I'll try, and if I miss anything, you just Yeah, because I think there's a lot of dimensions to the answer. Well, so a, a black hole as the endpoint of a star, of, of a dead star, that star didn't live very long. You know, maybe half a million years, tops. So if you see a black hole, if it's freshly made then the thing that made the black hole itself was not all that old. Half a million is not long in the history of the universe. Not, not at all. So black holes are the product of very high-mass stars that have very short lives. And, but once you make the black hole, it's there, right? So you'd have to have seen the black hole get made to then know how young it is. But if the black hole is just hanging out, 
um, I don't know that you can know how old it is just by observing. Now, now, we know there's an upper limit to how massive a black hole can get as the endpoint of a dying star. But if you find a black hole that's much more massive than that, then stuff happened after that. Or some other phenomenon went on that would have kept accumulating, kept eating. And as it eats, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I don't know that you can know precisely the age of a black hole, but you can get a sense of how long a black hole has been been in town. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say even more so, one of the big mysteries about the supermassive black holes that were acknowledged, although not by name, in <laughs> this year's Nobel Prize, was that they're so big. And we definitely know those do not form as the end state of stellar collapse. Something had to happen to make that thing so big. So either it formed in the early universe, and this is something that's really odd. The bigger the black hole, the less dense the material you need to make it. It's very surprising. So you could make a really big black hole out of the density of air under the right conditions, which really surprises people. But if you make it from a star, it's got to be incredibly dense. So it could be that it was made in the early universe and not from stars at all. Or it could be that it started as a smaller black hole and then went through a bunch of collisions and and got bigger and collected other black holes and just amassed and amassed and amassed until it was a supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. And that requires a lot of time and a lot of collisions. And just to to round this out, currently none of us in in my field doubt the likelihood that every single large galaxy has a supermassive black hole in its core. Um, Hmm. Initially it was hypothesized, and then we had some early Hubble data, and then some other data, and then it was like, you know, this looks pretty um, endemic to what Mm -hmm. it is to be a galaxy at all. And if you have colliding galaxies that merge, uh, you'd expect the black holes to ultimately merge in the middle. So I got you on that one. But also, um, it's still, I don't know, I haven't seen the latest in this, but when I last looked, there was still some uncertainty about whether the black hole nucleated the formation of a galaxy or whether the galaxy had mechanisms that funneled material to the center to then make the galaxy. Because even if you have a billion solar mass black hole, which some galaxies do in their center, that is a tiny, it's less than one-tenth of one percent of the mass of the whole galaxy. Mm -hmm. So as ferocious as that sounds, the total galaxy wins if if you're on a balance. Absolutely. So you might have thought you know, oh, even if it's true that all of these galaxies have these supermassive black holes, they're such a small percentage in terms of the mass, they're probably not influential on the galaxy. Who cares? But it actually turns out that's not the case because they can blow these gigantic winds. They could have been very active in their early history and been like quasars. They could have sculpted the entire galaxy. They could have regulated the size, the shape, the number of of stars that form. So they they might actually have incredible agency despite their smaller fraction in terms of mass. And and, and, and and is that because in the formation of the black hole that it is spewing out materials in order for it to become what it becomes? Yeah, it, in the yeah, in the early days it was reeking, it was blowing out these jets, you know, and it was just it was like imagine these winds. There are there are black holes whose jets are so strong that they're puncturing neighboring galaxies and basically wiping out any planetary life in those galaxies. So right. they have. They have. You're just getting into a fight. That's all. You, you, you're not understanding the dynamics of this. So the Nobel for exoplanets is in a fight for the Nobel over the <laughs> But the point hole. is, you only get to see all this if the if there's material in the vicinity of a black hole for it to do that to. If a black hole completely ate everything in its vicinity, then all there's these mechanisms shut off. Then it's right. nothing to see. Right. Wow. Mm, right. God, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. All well. right. They keep it coming, Chuck. Here we go. This is Liam Pendergrass, also from uh, Patreon. What opportunities for future research uh, into black holes are created as a result of this particular prize being awarded? So is there, is there anything new that came out of this that may spur uh, further discovery? Well, let me lead something here, and then I'm going to hand off to Jana. Because the Nobel Prize is essentially always delayed from the discovery itself. It's not clear whether the prize itself is stimulating more research because the original research already did that, right? So the original search was already in, we already knew it was important. We already, and the, the best kind of prize is the one that, that affirms what you already knew 
And in this case, this we are like Janice said, we knew Roger Penrose was brilliant. We knew he had influential papers. We knew the 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 supermassive black holes in the centers of galaxies. That's a long-standing project. So that did trigger other interesting projects. Let's look at other galaxies to see if they have um, supermassive black holes with the next most pow- powerful telescope. But Janet, do you think the act of getting a prize itself changes any of that landscape? Um, gosh, I, 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 da- I, I think I'm with you. I don't think the act of getting the prize does. I think it might affect generations that are just on the rise. Like, you know, your son, Chuck, asked a question inspired because we were talking about the Nobel Prize. And who knows, maybe that's going to affect your son's interest ultimately in science. I mean, for the scientists who are practicing now, I would say no, not so much. But but it does have that effect, I think, for the younger generation. Excellent um, point, because it's it's black holes are in the news now for a whole other reason. Yeah. That, 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 that you're, there's a celebration with a big fat check. Because in America, money talks. That's what (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, that's for his research club. Black holes are his... are his focus, so uh, I'm gonna That's I'm gonna ask you adorable. I'm gonna ask you to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, kids love we're gonna, black we're holes. To- I don't care. We're totally cheating. Who the so mother kids? Who the mother kids? I'll be like, my son has Neil deGrasse Tyson and Jan Eleven. I don't give a damn. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the cookies crumble. <laughs> That's how the cookies crumble. What can we say? Totally. Wait, wait. So, but it, it, make I, an interesting point, Jana, that if it's another reason to talk about something in the context mm-hmm. of it having been a celebrated result mm-hmm. rather than just a highly respected result. That definitely adds a societal force on this. I, I, I agree with you there entirely. And it's interesting that a lot of these Nobel Prizes are connected. So, for instance, the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy also has littler black holes orbiting it. And, and they did form from the end state of gravitational collapse. Now, littler might be 30, 60 times the mass of the sun. And so LIGO, which is the experiment that you mentioned earlier, Neil, that got the Nobel Prize, what was it, 2016, 2017? Um, 2017, they're detecting the collision of two black holes that are more around 50, 60 times the mass of the sun each. And they might be doing that near a supermassive black hole. And so these are all connected discoveries. And um, and so some of the ones that, that LIGO is beginning to and I don't want to say observe, but really listen to, because LIGO doesn't take pictures. LIGO listens to the resonance of space around these like orbiting mallets. We're starting to think that maybe those, in fact, really are coming from galactic centers. So, um, so there could be 20,000, 40,000 black holes around the center of our own galaxy that are just smaller ones. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. Well, well, all I can say to that is, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> black holes coming in. Ah, and the gathering they're gathering becoming destroy, bigger. <laughs> they're going to destroy your neighborhood. I'm letting you know this. And they get Bobby's together. Black holes and they get bigger. Coming in. And they get bigger. So, Chuck, we just blew that whole segment on your son's question. I just want to. Oh, well. Totally worth it. Okay, so when we come back, we're picking up Star Talk Cosmic Queries with Jan 11. We're talking about black holes. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age 
or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Chuck Nice with me always. Always a pleasure. And, and you're tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. Thank you. Yes, I am, sir. And we're Thank talking you. black holes today, so of course that means Jan 11 is in the house. Yes. And, and Jana, you're tweeting at what? Jan 11. At Jan 11. And it's a Jana with two N's. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. All, all right. I, I like an extra consonant. You know, just <laughs> I lose one, it's one drops off. Jan 11 has three N's in it, just to let the record show. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what is it, 40% of the letters in your name? Okay. <laughs> uh, so we, this is Cosmic Queries. So, Chuck, keep keep coming at us with these questions. All right, I'm staying with and This one is from your wife now, right? You're the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All that, right, go. That'll be a fun. So this one is from Grandma uh, Eugenio Barrero. No. This is Eugenio Barrera. Says, hey, Chuck, Neil, Jana, how are you? After years of following you guys on YouTube, I finally pulled the trigger on being a Patreon, and I'm glad I did because now I get my question read. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and he says, uh, I was wondering if black holes have the gravitational pull to affect light, does it also alter its speed? So it bends light. Does it slow it down when it bends it? So interesting. Interesting question. Neil, what do you think? Going to try this one? I would just say no. Okay, next question. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a really subtle example that I think illustrates how bizarre it is. Okay, yeah. Uh, Go for it. So because the event horizon is, by definition, the place at which light cannot escape, you could ask, well, what happens to light at the event horizon then if it can't escape? And so you could just drop a little beam of light, a little bundle of light, and uh, let's call it a photon, and it would sit there at the event horizon. It would not move. It's actually a completely state, not stable, unstable, but a place where it can be. However, you can't sit there and not move. So if you're falling across the black hole event horizon and you fall past that little piece of light, you go, oh, it's moving at the speed of light. <laughs> but uh, nobody can say it's not because nobody could stay there with it because you'd have to be traveling at the speed of light to stay there with it. So Chuck, when you fall Chuck, into this the is event horizon, it looks in Jana in Wonderland. Jana in Wonderland. Not Alice in Wonderland. Jana in Wonderland. That is a rabbit black hole if I ever heard one, <laughs> Keep going, one, keep man. going, Jana. Keep going. Well, the other way to think about it is it's like a salmon swimming up, up 
the Niagara like swimming upstream and the waterfall of space-time is just falling in so rapidly that it effectively stands still. But right. nobody can stand still with it. Everybody else is gone with the waterfall. Right, so everyone right, else, right. if they try to measure the speed of light, it's like, oh yeah, it's traveling at the speed of light. It's nearly 300,000 kilometers a second. Nobody says it's standing still. But technically it's sitting right there at the event horizon. That's but it's still trying so, to get out. It's still it's trying, trying to get out. It's trying like hell to get out. Okay. But it, oh, that I is so like freaky. hell to get out. Yeah, that's freaky. So now, so what, what's the observation outside of the black hole? What are we seeing? Is you, it just sitting just there? You just don't see that photon because it never gets to you. When you say, what do I see? The only way you see something is if the light hits your eye. Right, so, so but you can't do there, it because it's stuck there. So you don't see oh, it. Oh, my God. That, so it's dark. So the yes, that's dark. It's a black hole. That's crazy. Well, yes. and, and, and another, just to, just to add another point there. Right, you wow. will only see that photon if that photon enters your eye, right? So, mm -hmm. therefore, you have no ideas even there. This was my issue with the with Star Trek, right? They have these phasers <laughs> that uh, no, the the um, phasers, right? When it shoots lasers at another ship, okay, yeah, in the vacuum are, of space, those are, those are phasers. Yeah. And so, then, and then they have photon torpedoes. Photon torpedoes. So yeah. they're sending this in a direction towards the ship, but the the camera view is from the side. So, uh -huh, but you see this like you see it. There's no, no. It's right. sending this energy to the ship. There's no way right. you would see that laser going to the ship. Right. There's just no way, <laughs> yeah. unless wow. it's sending light in your direction. But that that right. wouldn't be an efficient weapon. Or so I, like I you issues. make, yeah. Or you make like a gas cloud and it scatters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can like, make like a fog chamber. You no, no, no. You have a you, fog you, machine. You hit the, the the chalkboard erasers together, and you make <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck, give me some more. All and right. We okay. now know Jana is a cousin of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Biz. Biz CV. Cool. We'll go with that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with it. I'm going with that. Uh, says, what did Roger Pendrose do that wasn't already done by Einstein? and Schwarzschild before. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a hater here. A little mm -hmm. bit of a hater. So I think, yeah. Jenna, you, you hinted to some of that. Yeah. But why wasn't Einstein's solution or the Schwarzschild solution inevitable? What is the different thing that, that Penrose did to make it a natural end state? Mm -hmm. Well, so in the simplest terms, he was able to show that generically, without assuming any special properties, like something's a perfect sphere. It could have been a, an oblong kidney-shaped eggplant thing, doesn't matter. If it collapses, he was able to prove it would inevitably form that event horizon, and within that event horizon, inevitably would be the singularity. And one way to think about this, which I think is really profound, is he was able to show that all paths of light, and this is technically one of the ways that he did it, point towards the singularity. Technically, what that means is that the singularity is in the future. We look at a black hole, we think of a spherical thing with a center point that's this point singularity in space. What Roger Penrose showed is the singularity is not in space, it's in the future, once you're inside that black hole. And so nobody who enters the black hole can do anything but plunge into that singularity. You can no more avoid the singularity than you can avoid the next moment in time. Okay, so, <laughs> wow. That's, right. Like I said, that, Alice in Wonderland. There, there it is. That's what, like I said. Yeah, go on. You know, yeah. give me a second. I'm going to go pour myself a little vodka and we're going to come back and talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we miss, our... we're, we're definitely missing some mind-altering forces. Wow. Oh, so, Jana. We're so, going to have our after-party Zoom link. Uh, yeah. Wait, so, Jana, just to, to if, if I understand what you're saying, if all light beams go to the singularity, then all, all, all possible paths into your future as you fall in would go to that singularity because you can't right. take a path that's not any, the path any, that the light other. takes. That's right. right. So basically what it says is if I should, it, it basically says if you're going slower than the speed of light, you are definitely going into that singularity because the only way you could not go into that singularity is if you went faster than the speed of light and you can't do that. Okay. Right. So, so the technical language would be, just because it's sometimes poetic to hear it, it's not necessarily edifying, but it's poetic, is that he proved that all of the future light cones pointed towards the singularity. That's okay. what wow. he showed. 
There's one figure in this paper in 1964 where he draws it all out. I'm telling you, it's just the most beautiful. It's all compact. It's all right there in this one picture where he just shows that this absolutely is inevitable that the black hole singularity forms and that it is in the future of any, any path mm. on the interior of the black hole. Yeah. All right. All right, Chuck, keep it coming. Okay. All right. Uh, this is Izzy Rohr. says, hi, Neil, Chuck, Jenna, it's Violetta, my mom, Izzy. I'm 12 years old from Birmingham, Alabama, and I love all things astrophysical. Uh, Professor Gez says that the data collected, which ultimately proved the existence of Sagittarius A, are consistent with Einstein's general theory of relativity, while absolutely 100% not consistent with Newton's law of gravity. And even then, she said that Einstein is right, at least for now. My questions are, how can something, a major thing like this in the cosmos, abide by general relativity and yet not follow one of the most basic and fundamental laws of physics? Does this mean we will need to discover a new law of gravity? And does this mean general relativity needs to be upgraded or expanded upon? P.S. Jana, you are the first woman astrophysicist I ever saw in an episode of Star Talk a few years back, and you have inspired me so much ever since. Thank you for rocking science so hard for girls and kids like me oh. all over the no. cosmos. Go, Jana! Thank you. Go, Jana! Thank you. And, 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 and by the way, None of none of that question impressed me like the way the question began, because she knew that the word data is plural. Plural. <laughs> <laughs> these data show yeah. what these data are. Yeah. So if you know that, you're 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 yeah. ready for any kind That's of half scientific the career. <laughs> um well, I was so flattered and flushed that I forgot the question. Oh, but I think I got it. I think I got it. It's actually um I think it's if, if it violates Newton's laws, how is that possible if Newton's laws apply across the universe, right. but it right. satisfies Einstein's laws? What's yeah. going on? So, so I, I liken it this way. Just because Newton's laws aren't all-encompassing doesn't mean the laws are, like, wrong. They're not dead wrong. And I sometimes, I sometimes try to explain it this way. If, uh, if, if you thought English was the only language in the universe, and then you discovered there was this broader concept called language, right. why not make English wrong? Right? English is right. useful. It just has a limited range of validity. It doesn't help you with French or you know, Arabic or whatever other language. It turns out that there are extensions that's a much bigger umbrella, which is this concept of language. Right? So to a certain extent, in its limited range of, of validity, Newtonian physics is great works terrific. It just doesn't work everywhere all the time. It's just not, it's not big enough. It's not that it's wrong. It's just, it's just a subset of a larger concept. So the first thing that Einstein did when he was trying to um, test his own theory was exactly to make sure he, he matched, he respected Newton, that he respected Newtonian dynamics in its range of validity, which would be when you're not moving very quickly, when you're around big things like the earth, when you're moving slowly, like it should look like Newton said it should. So, um, so it's not as though when I drop an apple, it no longer does what I used to think it does just because of general relativity. So, right. just, so, so what you're also saying there is that um, if you take Einstein's equations and put in low gravity and low speeds, mm -hmm. they become Newton's equations. That's right. They become very close approximations to Newton's equations. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, so exactly. they're still in the same sandbox, or, or, yeah. or the sandbox is bigger now. Yeah, yeah. the sandbox just got. I mean, Newton never considered well what happens if I crush the Earth to a point, <laughs> <laughs> or what happens if I was going near this speed of light. Yeah, they're stupid. <laughs> and those were exactly the kind of thoughts, experiments, the kind of fantasies that led Einstein to realize that. Oh, Newtonian mechanics would slowly look different than we presume it is. And we would start to learn that there are generalizations that start to look very different in certain extreme circumstances. All right, Chuck, we only have like a couple of minutes left. Give me, see if we can squeeze two in here. And, and Janet, soundbite answers. Okay, go. Okay. Chuck. All right, here we go. Cameron Bishop says, singularities or ringularities? I just got to know what we know about the geometry at the center of a black hole. Yeah, what's Thanks. a ringularity, Janet? 
Oh, in um, a spinning black, hole, spinning black hole, it turns out that the singularity has a different geometry than it does in what Schwarzschild considered, which was just kind of a perfect implosion. Um, but I think that... Is, is it a donut? I, and wouldn't, wouldn't most black holes then be spinning black holes? Yes, most black holes are spinning black holes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when things collapse, just like a, an ice skater pulling in her arms, they tend to spin faster and faster. Um, so we do believe that black holes are likely spinning. Um, but, but most, to be honest, most astrophysicists and, and theoretical physicists believe that the singularity is, is where general relativity will break down, kind of connected to your previous question. We believe that there's another theory that will make us understand that singularities actually don't exist. And that they're signaling, they're telling us, this isn't working anymore. <laughs> Like, this is breaking down. As has been said, the singularities where God is dividing by zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, that's a no-no. No, seriously, you're now going to have a cult. Like, <laughs> why do, you can't say stuff like that. You know, <laughs> it's going to be in QAnon. I mean, QAnon. <laughs> Come to where God divides by zero. On November 3rd. <laughs> no, yeah, that's God so is funny. dividing by zero. <laughs> Right, another one, quick, check. Give it to me. All right, very quickly. This is Sam Axe. Uh, Sam says this. If you were to throw some antimatter into a black hole, would that shrink it or make it bigger? So a lot of people have a misconception that antimatter has negative energy or negative mass, but it doesn't. There's really not, to, to our knowledge, anything with negative mass. So if you have an electron, its antiparticle has opposite every other quantum number. For instance, if the electron's negatively charged, the positron's positively charged but they both have the same mass. So mass and energy is what matters when it goes into a black hole. You might change the charge of the black hole, but you're just going to make its mass go up. I it's going to get heavier. Okay. So, yeah, so antimatter is not some panacea for, for undoing the universe and the damage that gravity has done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th guys, I think we got to call it quits there. We're out of time. Man, damn. Man. Oh, man. That was awesome. Always so good. It's always so good with Jenna Levin. <laughs> Jenna, I have... I miss you guys. I hear rumors that you're working on another book. I just... Uh, this is rumors. I'm just saying. I am. This is rumors. But, I okay, when the book so comes out, can we bring it back? Yeah. Black Hole Survival Guide. Of survival... Ooh, we need that. Well, we got to bring it back for that. <laughs> yeah. Can we bring it back? I'd love that. Okay, we'll talk Always about your fun. book. And, and we'll bring it back soon. I think your book is coming out uh, even just in a few weeks. Yeah. So, all right, Chuck, always good to have you. Always a pleasure. Janet, we love you here at Star Talk, and thanks for always love accepting our invitations. All right. Always. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the Black Hole Nobel Prize edition, of course, with Jan 11. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're a personal astrophysicist. Keep working up. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart.